Hey friends, before we start the show today, we have yet another winner in our Root giveaway. This week's winner is at Pinterobang or Pinterobang. I think it's Pinterobang, which flows better than P and Tarot Bank. But either way, congratulations, Thaddeus. And if you want to win your own copy of Root, either digital or physical, do follow us at Good Time Society on social media and join our Discord for all the great discussions about the pod. All right, on to the show. One thing I think we didn't do very well last time was introduce you, Lily. I, I feel oh, cool. I, <laughs> I feel that the best way to describe you is as the root tournament champion, but that's not how like we know you. We know you as also the archivist and <laughs> the true ledgerman. Yeah. The, <laughs> the comptroller of the woodland. <laughs> But uh, we are joined today by Lily Gould. Welcome, Lily. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Lily yeah. runs Makecraft Game, and where she not only makes great things, she crafts amazing things, and she plays really good games. <laughs> That's the official slogan of the website, right? I got that right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> also, Lily just appeared on a game played on the Good Time Society where we went against each other. That was one of the more fun games of Root I've played in recent memory. I don't know yeah. if you can remember it because we did record this last week and uh, there has been some timing things, but <laughs> go check out the VOD. This game was fun. Me, you, Garrick, and Lord of the Board. Yeah. Very fun game. Yeah, it was fun for me to watch that game, too. I was at work at the time and sort of, like, uh, watching on my phone while I was supposed to be working. And, uh, oh, man, it is just packed with thrills. The back and forths were pretty incredible. Like, I could not decide who I thought was in a better position until literally the, like, game ended. It was kind of awesome that way. And you're a surgeon at United Methodist Hospital, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was not a not a good day for my insurance policy, mm -hmm, but uh, mm -hmm. it was a great day for Root. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, whenever I whenever I see Sam and Lily in a game together, which has only been like three or four times, I'm always very excited. Lily, tell me tell me what it's like to beat Sam so consistently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I enjoy playing with Sam because he just it's always good table talk, and there's just kind of a good balance between players for the most part. So I don't have to be the talkative one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that it's really nice when you're playing uh, Root with people uh, on the same skill level, right? Because I think that when sometimes you're like, wait, that's your job to go attack that person. And I feel like when everyone's the same skill level, we know whose job it is to do what thing. And there's less like bickering and more, uh, I don't know, like conversation, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And some, some gentle persuading sometimes because oh, they sure. don't want to do things. <laughs> well, you've bailed me out so many times, Lily. I feel like you're, you've been the nicest root player to me when I've been playing. I, I remember uh, almost turmoiling, and you're like, I'll, I'll help you out. Don't worry. You won't turmoil. I'll need you for later. <laughs> There's times where it's better to not let, like, the eerie turmoil and if you're the lizards and you can just like put something in their clearing to fight yeah do it 100 yeah. percent. oh my god this is such an interesting like next level strategic concept so you're saying that by like propping up one of the like red factions this actually helps your game plan as an insurgent well yeah because i mean well one they don't turmoil so they actually still have an army to go after other people 
And two, I get acolytes, so I'm happy. It's like doubly good. <laughs> God, you are a lizard's genius. This is amazing. <laughs> also, it's goodwill, right? Like if I have to king make somebody and somebody help me out, I mean, come on. <laughs> I haven't had, I haven't king maked you. I've tried to win both times, but uh, not successful. You think you'll be a duke in the woodland and you'll get like a nice tree house or something? Yeah, that's the thing. We need that like legacy thing that Oath has mm-hmm. so that in all my future games, I can have a better starting position. Mm. That's advanced, advanced setup. Um, yes. <laughs> Speaking of Oath, uh, Lily, you have a great uh, Oath review on Makecraft game. Uh, yes. We appreciate all the Hamilton references over here. What uh, <laughs> uh, What are your opinions on Oath and uh I, I think a lot of people are seeing this review now because people are getting their copies. What What's your uh, first impressions of Oath? Oh, gosh. First impressions are going back a while ago. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I I really enjoy it. Um, there's a very interesting dynamic because there's um, a lot of things you can, like, go after as, like, your goal. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't, like, pan out because we played a game recently where we all had a goal, but none of us had the right vision and everyone was holding on to the other person's vision. <laughs> and that that's not great. That's not great. But uh, you have to recognize that's happening and you know be able to be flexible yeah. about that to like change up what's going on uh, or you just let the chancellor win because no one's doing anything. <laughs> uh, for those of you who think we just stepped into a different podcast, we're talking about another leader game uh, which just came out. I, it just arrived like this month for most people, right? For kick for Kickstarter backers, yeah, yeah. But the cool thing about Oath is that it has this kind of pseudo legacy um, element going on. It's not a true legacy board. Like you're not like putting stickers on the board or like destroying right. cards, or, like ripping them up. Like it breaks my heart when we do that, but it is cool. <laughs> um, no, this one instead it has something called a chronicle, which is uh, that at the end of every game of Oath, uh, a couple of things happen that sort of influence the beginning of the next game that you play. You don't have to play with the same people even. It just sort of yeah. a, a big one is uh, the winner of the game goes on to be the chancellor of the next game and the chancellor's like the ruler of the kingdom kind of um, parallel. So with that, like you start in a stronger position, but you also start with a giant target on your back. Right. Uh, I, I listened to a, a I, I guess I watched a video of somebody talking to Joshua Yearsley uh, who works at Leader Games uh, as a designer. Uh, actually, worked a lot on the Marauder expansion for Root, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of des- describing the Chancellor as being kind of similar to, like, the Cats or, or the Eerie in Root. Like, they kind of start with a, a history of dominating the woodland or the Empire, and uh, it's ev- kind of everyone else's job to go after them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you don't just cover Oath. No. Uh, and and be a root champion, Lily. You play a lot of really complicated and kind of like famously like mean and difficult games, like Food Chain Magnet or like the 18xx games. Yeah. And I I, I I I'm curious, like, what about those games are you drawn to? Um. So sp- specifically speaking for like 18xx, what draws me there is the lack of dice. Uh-huh. Um. I generally have terrible luck with dice, although that seems to be kind of changing lately, and I'm very skeptical of how long that's going to last but um luck is not always in my favor so i tend to be drawn to games that are more just strategic and 
all about making the right decisions and seeing what happens when you make the wrong ones. As like a statistician, shouldn't you be tracking how bad your luck is? Because that's that's like a phenomenon, <laughs> right? Um, I would think so, but I just I don't I don't know. I know we play a uh, John Company as one of the games we've been playing a lot lately. Um, and we originally played first edition because second edition uh, was recently on Kickstarter and is coming out, but. We wanted to start with the original to really see the development of the game. And the first time I played, the very first role I did caused me to catastrophically fail and get uh, kicked out of the company, that position out of the company with no chance of like retirement or like the benefits of retire of, of getting kicked out of the company. So <laughs> yeah, I'm very bad at rolling. You lost dice. your job on the first <laughs> yeah, turn? I'm <laughs> well, I was trying to send ships to India to help trade with India, and apparently that was not the best decision because, uh, nope, no, I just so of India, bad they went to rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm I'm very interested to hear that you uh, are opposed to. Is it just dice rolling or is it luck? Because I feel like the lizards, your favorite faction and mine, is probably the most luck dependent root faction. Yeah, I, I, there's two different types of luck to me. There's like yeah. the luck of like rolling dice and just like having that being your definitive answer. And then there's luck where you are given something and you have to do something with that information and you can kind of like choose after you get the luck of that roll. So and that's like, for the, for me, the lizards are kind of like mitigating that luck and it's about like the adaptability of the faction more than anything. So that's where I really get into it and really enjoy myself. Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. That is a good distinction between like the luck that determines things and uh, having some luck thrown at you and you get to determine what to do with that luck. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So you play all these hard games. Are, are there any like m medium or lightweight games that you enjoy or is it or is it just like too too bland for your taste at this point no i i enjoy all a lot of games i'm very carnivorous or omnivorous omnivorous <laughs> when it comes to my um choice of games but i will say uh there's some games i probably will shy away from i know like Catan's no longer in the rotation um sure. but i definitely tend to not know what a weight of a game is anymore and sometimes when we have friends over who aren't normally gamers i'm like okay what are you in the mood for and they're like they're, when they say a midway game i'm like okay which one of these games is a midway game to you because i don't know anymore <laughs> are you ever roping people into something that they are uh way not ready for <laughs> i've experienced that a couple times now i'm a lot better about trying to find the perfect game for the perfect occasion in the right group. But I think like I've just put people in the deep end a, a few too many times. We have thrown people into Twilight Imperium and that may not have been the best decision. <laughs> um, but to be fair, there's only, uh, of all the people we've thrown into it, we probably shouldn't have thrown into it. Only one person wasn't totally adaptable. So it went well enough. <laughs> You finished? Yeah. I mean, it was 5 wow. a.m., but that's, yeah. that's fine. And they don't talk to us anymore, but it's cool. Yeah. We got a play out of it. Yeah, we finished the game. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, let's talk Root specifics, right? We all know why all three of us love Root, but I'd love to hear your perceptions on it. Like, what's... Um, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm curious. I like getting led with questions, so please ask Keep more. leading? Okay, great. <laughs> 
obviously beyond the asymmetric nature of it and the cute art, like I feel like you appreciate all the depth of the game because you play things like 18xx games and John Company, which John Company is also a Cold War League game, right? It is a Cold yep. War League game as well. Yeah. Great, great. So, I mean, for someone who really likes to tear apart the whole engine and look at all the pieces, I just want to hear your perspective on it when you first learned about the game. So when I first learned about Root, I it was definitely kind of an interesting um, mix because we started playing with just like the base game. Their expansions didn't really exist. Um, and mm-hmm. We were just kind of going with that. Um, and so what we found to enjoy about it a lot is that we could play kind of different games mechanically while still playing the game together. Um, because I know I prefer things that are more um, t- towards the insurgent factions where like uh, Garrick, who I play a lot of Root with, will play more towards the count, like the coin factions. Um, so, I mean, to this day, I have never played as the cats. <laughs> That's what? insane. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, for those of you listeners at home who can't see Lily's video feed, there is actually a giant Marquise de Cat meeple that you you woodsmithed, you carpentered. Yes. Uh, as part of your like, as part of the crafting portion, um, why uh, why did you select that meeple if if you've never played that faction? <laughs> uh, popular demand, I think, was uh, the, the response. A lot of people were like, "Okay, you made a lizard first, but you should make cats." And I was like, "Okay." Yeah, the he's cats. there watching. Really he's there watching you because you've never played with him. He's like, yeah, he's he's good? disappointed. Oh my god, I can't believe you've never played as them. That's no. bonkers to me. No, uh, I think I actually the first time I played River Folk was in a tournament, and that was terrifying. <laughs> that is yeah. scary. No, I definitely, I definitely feel that. I think it was maybe the second time that I ever played the Duchy was in a tournament. Yeah, I had no idea what to do. It was. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. You're just like, well, I had to pick this faction, and <laughs> but that's a testament to both your skills. Is like you guys can hold your own with things you've never played because you're so good not only at this game but at games and like breaking apart the the engine, right? And I imagine Lily, you've like played against the cats in almost every game or whatever, so you got an idea. Mm-hmm. Of what's going on. I have a general idea. I know for a while I didn't realize that the clearings needed to be like connected for like routing. Um, but I know that now. <laughs> I think you've done yourself a great service and just avoided a lot of like misery in your life by just never playing as the cats. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised when we first got the game that I never played as the cats because we would play two player a lot and I would just end up playing the Eerie a bunch. So I'm curious, yeah, actually, because yeah. you play the Eerie a lot, and we, I've I've seen you play the Eerie, where you are just kind of the silent, charismatic leader who's just slowly spreading out, and no one's really doing anything about it. Like, you mentioned before when Sam, uh, well, you like playing against Sam because the table talk isn't reliant upon you. Like, when you played the River Folk, did you have to up your own table talk, or do you still play in the in the back seat and just kind of let other people drive? Uh, the river folk are kind of interesting because you can do it very like charismatically, which I don't really feel like I have those skills, but you can also kind of just be a death ball in the corner and hope that no one really notices that you're just becoming a large ball of death. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you play the river folk as an insurgent faction, it sounds like. A little bit, yeah. Like 
Insurgents factions are kind of where my heart is and just my comfort zone. So um, both like the river folk and the moles even can kind of be played both ways. Yeah, that's true. That's so cool. It's such a testament to like the design of Root that you can take factions and and kind of wield them in different ways or pilot them in in ways that are kind of um, native to you as a player. Um, what, What do you think... You know, given that you've had a, a lot of success in in the tournaments that have happened, um, what do you, what do you think is the kind of greatest key to that success? Is it the the play style? Um, I think it has. It's just a lot to do with what's going on at the table. Um, it depends on if you know people are talking and doing that entanglement versus just doing the gunning race. Because depending on what faction you play, like the lizards cannot race. They need right. they need other players to be entangled, um, but and like even the Woodland Alliance is probably kind of poor at that as well. But um, it just really depends on what's going on. Like the Eerie are probably the best faction that I like to play that are good at racing. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier with the Lizards, but um, adaptability, like that, uh, it seems to be what you what you're describing, like just the, the ability to kind of read the board state and then kind of adjust your trajectory or your tactics based on what's going on on the board. Yeah, that's um, definitely a big one. Um, and honestly, with all three of the factions, that my three favorite factions, which are the Woodland Alliance, Lizards, and Eerie, you're always kind of adapting to whatever cards you have. And that's a big part of all three of those factions is seeing, okay, these are the cards I have. What is my strategy now? Because it changes from turn to turn. And if you go in with a plan that you're trying to take you to the end, it's probably not going to fulfill itself. Absolutely. I, Sam, you've played in some tournaments too. Um, oh, yeah. what, do you, does what Lily is talking about resonate with you in, in terms of your tournament experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Lily's right. The adaptability is kind of that, like, that next level skill because it's hard to adapt when you don't know what the faction combination is going to be. I mean, it's hard to read a root board state until you've played a, a large chunk of games. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I definitely try to, especially when it comes to the social part of the game, I'm really trying to read people early and I want to, I want, I do talk early so i felt like i played some games online that not in tournaments but where i didn't talk a lot and then i just kind of got swallowed up you know and i felt like and so now i'm like oh i want to assert myself socially so that at least like you know if somebody attacks me i'm like you're attacking me and they will feel that (laughs) that guilt i'm throwing their way i think i've also kind of noticed that it's important to talk just so people know like I know you think that I'm in this position, but like, this is what you're not seeing. So, because Mm -hmm. even with experienced players, you can't always see everything all the time. So it's Mm -hmm. good to have that open line of communication between everybody, just so everyone's on the same page and no one gets away with trying to hide something that they're, they want to (laughs) do. I find like enthusiastic communication is also good because what you, when you look at your opponent's board and their game state, you can surmise what they could do, right? But you don't know what they want to do without talking to them because they might have a plan in their head that's based on the cards in their hand or the amount of resources that they have out there in terms of soldiers in a clearing and you don't know what their intentions are. So that's the only way to really glean that is through communication for the most part. Yeah, and just the fact that Root is like not a uh, one in one out kind of environment because you can like affect the board state on your turn and then by the time it gets all the way back around to you things have changed 
radically. <laughs> yeah. Like who who's in the lead is different, who's got a good position is totally different. And I feel like the the social dimension really like rounds out the strategy in a way. I, I want to kind of like probe a little bit here just along the like skills you have to develop in order to play well under pressure. Um, in in a tournament game, do, Lily, do you do you play like pretty differently from how you usually would in, in like a casual game? Yeah, I, I do. I definitely am a bit more focused on the game. And when it, especially when it comes to picking factions, that's probably where the biggest change is. Because in a mm. casual game, if I can pick lizards, I will pick lizards. That is just <laughs> where my heart's at. And that's where I will go. But um, in a tournament game, that doesn't always make sense. Um, with the cards in your hand or with where you are in the turnover order even. Um, and those are really big things to take into consideration when choosing what you want to do going forward. And that's before anything on the board happens, too. That's, like, what's so crazy about it is, like, you, by choosing the wrong faction, you could lose the game. It's yeah. crazy. I, I will say I've noticed that in tournaments, I very rarely will play Woodland Alliance because I think they have a, probably the hardest time to play in, in tournaments based off of a lot of the factors going on, especially map and turn order yeah also you know it, it feels like with high level players the woodland alliance we all know what we got to do against the woodland <laughs> alliance you know yeah is, is that a skill cap thing basically like at a at a certain point you're kind of relying on your opponents to forget or make a mistake in order to get ahead as the woodland alliance i don't necessarily think that's true but um it does the Woodland Alliance probably relies on the most luck out of all of them, if i if being honest. I think that they have some of the hardest time adapting to the cards given to them, um, especially if uh, everyone else plays. Like, I know if I'm playing against the Woodland Alliance, there is never a clearing that I have that does not have three warriors in it. I refuse mm. just <laughs> to let that happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, it just depends on... Where, where you're able to get out and if you're able to do it before anyone really spreads out. Because if you're the Woolen Alliance going first, even with kind of crappy cards, you're able to basically put a wall between everybody. And I'm like, well, if you want to go fight the other faction and deal with them, you got to deal with me too. So mm. I'm just going to sit here and like, just don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Says no one about the Woolen Alliance ever. <laughs> well, so you're making these different decisions when it comes to a, a, a tournament setting. Do you consider yourself a competitive person, Lily? Yeah, I'm I'm a fairly competitive person. Uh, growing up with two older brothers, I just, everything was always, always kind of a fight in the house, um, especially since my eldest brother is actually 10 years older than me. So we have just like very different, um, like I know the way I was, I grew up, like I grew up playing magic and all this other stuff just because I, I had his knowledge mm -hmm. almost. But um, so tournaments are definitely a, it's interesting I haven't gotten into them sooner, but I, I definitely am a pretty competitive person. <laughs> That's great. And when you sit down for a tournament game, do you expect to win? No, Do never. you have that mentality? No. Never. <laughs> uh, I, if anything, I'm expecting to lose so I don't disappoint myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, set your expectations low. So is it a surprise for you when you win? Yeah, generally, it's it's not it's a it's just kind of like a happy happy coincidence more than anything. 
So, yeah, not only have you won the most recent tournament, but you do keep the data on the tournament. And to back up your claim that you are surprised, you can see down at the bottom, it says, look, I won. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, yeah. um, this is it's- such a, a, a cool thing that you are doing kind of on behalf of the Root community. For real. You know, you're helping helping everyone who enjoys Root, and especially anyone who wants to, like, engage with Root in a kind of, you know, tournament or a higher level kind of way. Um, just offering some raw data to kind of get a handle on what's happened and what we can kind of expect going forward. And um, wh- I guess what drew you to this kind of archival role or, like, number crunching... Uh, I definitely have always like loved statistics. Um, So like that was always a thing that I'm just like, okay, I want to see what's going on. Um, But another thing was when we were, because the the plus one draft was something that I was like kind of helping with in the background a little bit, because Garrick was a very big role in creating that one as well with um, the group he was in. Uh, And we wanted to make sure it wasn't broken. (laughs) And stats are the best way to see if it's not broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, qu- quick interjection uh, the plus one draft uh, was kind of the method for selecting um, map deck and factions uh, for the previous I think three tournaments now the Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament in 2021 the winter tournament and then the test tournament as well in, uh, back in October 2020 um, and so it was the same kind of selection method uh, developed by Garrick and a few friends and yourself um, that kind of played a big role in the tournaments. And this is maybe I'm putting on the nerd glasses a little too much here, but I saw that there was one, um, we had one critic who mentioned that all the things we talk about stat wise are dubious because there's not enough data yet uh, from tournaments. It's a and small sample size. That's yeah. True. I wanted to, to get your opinion on that. Do you think there's enough data to draw any kind of firm conclusions or are we just, being totally spurious. <laughs> um, I think that you definitely can draw some conclusions. I mean, but they are kind of willing to change. And the biggest thing is uh, the win- most of the stats do come from the winter tournament, which um, I do feel were um, more uh, experienced players. Um, and then the Space Cats Peace Tournament, I know we had some new players. We had some people who almost had never played Root before coming into that one. So uh, just the experience level of the sample size is very off from mm-hmm. that as well. So, But I do think that there are some trends that we can see. Um, and that's why they're actually posted separately as well as together, because I was curious to see the differences when we looked at all three sets um, in the different time periods. Was there anything that stuck out like, oh, because of the experience level in the winter tournament, this trend happened where it didn't happen in other tournaments or something like that? Um. I think the way m- the newest expansion of moles and um, corvids, well, not really corvids, but moles was, <laughs> um, the, the treatment of moles was very interesting as, and cats as well. I think that when I saw in the uh, winter tournament, cats would win more often than they yeah. did in the space cats tournament from my memory. Um, so there's just some of the more complex factions did a little bit better in the winter tournament than they did with, uh, the space cats tournament. I'm going to be so eager when you do get a lot more data, because there's also so many other factors going into this game. Are you, are you like interested in tracking more data beyond wins and 
like faction picks like you also going to track like score or like i don't know what other factors we would do that could add to your spreadsheet <laughs> um um, so if you actually look on the uh, on the sh- on the site, uh, there is breakdown by score um, based off of seat position and based off of faction, um, because right. you can't really mix the faction. Like you, I have one that has everybody on it, but you can't mix the factions up that much. Um, and I think the Woodland Alliance probably has the funnest spread of going from like seven to winning, and like just like <laughs> everything in between. Whereas like a lot of other factions are very like high mm-hmm. concentrated scores. And I have to. Cause you're just to take credit for that uh, that score of seven. That <laughs> <laughs> was me. I am the lower bound there. <laughs> what happened? Oh, I I got real stuck on the uh, on the lake map. And Lily, I think you were the lizards in that game, and uh, and we just sort of stabbed each other to death, and another faction won. <laughs> I will say, I have I have noticed that the lizards and woodland alliance together are painful. Uh, for both players um, because the lizards can't do anything about the Woodland Alliance and they're just like and the Woodland Alliance is like I'm going to chill in lizard territory and I'm like this is great <laughs> yeah it's, I wonder if there's any I'll, I'll have to look this up if there's any game where they're both in the same game and either of them won I'd be surprised Oof. yeah I would yeah it is such a combative um, mutually tense kind of <laughs> relationship between yeah. the Woodland Alliance and the lizards yes Especially because the lizards have a habit of uh, destroying buildings, which the Woodland yeah. Alliance does not want. And <laughs> although I will say one of my biggest issues currently with the lizards and Woodland Alliance is that if the Woodland Alliance revolts in a lizard's clearing, those lizards don't become acolytes. And I don't understand it, and it bothers me. Yeah. I think they would have a much more yin-yang relationship if that were the case. But as it stands now, it feels like the Woodland Alliance has the upper hand, but they're both going to end up destroying each other. Mm-hmm. What's the rule-specific nature of that call? Is it that they're not removed in battle? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Defending in battle. Not defending in a giant fire set by terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. I do think there might be some changes coming up in the new rule set about when the lizards get acolytes or something, but I'm not sure. But Ooh, my Lily, my brain is just speculating now here, so I'm gonna ignore Ooh, just ignore everything I, like, I said. You did this like based on inside information that you're not supposed to be talking. No, about. it's not. This is literally <laughs> okay. just me having. Hopes. I'm not going to get a knock on the door from the lawyer of the leaders. No, I think I'm just having hopes and nothing else. Just dreams. <laughs> okay, yeah, optimism. Already those starting acolytes, though, that's going to yes, change everything. That yeah. does change a lot. Um, I'm very yeah, let's curious. talk a little bit about advanced setup, because uh, advanced setup is going to change quite a, a lot of things, I think, about the way the game starts. And uh, so the plus one draft uh, is kind of what we had before advanced setup came along and advanced setup i think is kind of now taking over that role right it is yeah and for those uh, listeners who want a brief summary advanced setup is uh getting rolled out with the new marauders expansion and it is basically just new uh, new rules for how each faction sets up but also about how you choose uh which factions you play in the game um so it it kind of seeks to achieve some balance of you know, red factions and insurgent factions, you know, so-called red factions. Um, was that a good summary? <laughs> yeah, th- I think the biggest distinction here is that we n- are no longer having to start in corner clearings. Now, some factions start on the edge, 
but it's not that same like there are four corner clearings and people are going to start there so the the flexibility of where people are starting and kind of with what has changed a little bit and so each yeah. Each faction's gotten a little bit of a tweak, too, in terms of their starting materials, but also the red factions is representative of a different... Of, it replaces Reach in some way, right? Where red factions are dominant and already have a strong position on the board, and non-red factions are uh, barely on the board. <laughs> right? Is that right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Another, another big thing about advanced setup is uh, when you pick your faction, you set up on the board, so the next player picking their faction is going to know your oh, setup. Oh. Ho, ho. Yeah, there's not the same kind of um, cats first chronology yeah no it's 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 whoever it's 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 in it's in choose choosing order is the setup order that's really interesting which i think is pretty exciting and and could create some immediately entangled and immediately dynamic board states where when you are kind of pushed into the corners to start it kind of it creates some static relationships even if the game unfolds in a dynamic way like you you can kind of know ahead of time what the points of tension are going to be and like where the borders are but this would create a way more fluid kind of setup and like you know i almost think that like going first could be a bit of a liability sometimes because like people could kind of counter set up against you yeah but anyway so it's it's going to change a lot of things uh advanced setup will and so lily do you think that any statistics we draw from games using advanced setup would those be incompatible with games that had used uh, previously the plus one method i would say probably um there's there's a very high chance that they're going to be incompatible just because the um the dependent date the independent data like affects the dependent data kind of a thing i'm um, not exactly sure if i'm framing that right but um it just <laughs> the way to us. <laughs> Uh, just the, the, the way that the setup is going to affect the rest of the game is probably going to be a lot more dynamic. So more than likely I will be recording it separately. Um, and then after we have kind of at least a, the similar amount of data points, I will kind of want to do a comparison just to see how the changes and if there are really that significant of changes that we're seeing. God, I can't wait for that. That's going to be so awesome. So, so Lily, you're, you're planning to continue your role as collector of data archivist of the woodland yes. into the future 100 percent. i i'm so stats. happy to hear that <laughs> are there other columns you want to add to your data gathering like i know so going back to the score discussion is there like a consideration of doing the scores at the end of each round or how many points each faction scores and what they're scoring on each one so you can start to track who, how they weren't earn their win mm. i mean i know that's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I, I, I don't really know. Like the, what I like doing mm -hmm. with the ones that I do record is what am I getting from this data? Mm -hmm. So like what what is happening with that? And like I don't know if round by round scoring is going to show things because dominance being a part of it kind of makes things confusing. Coalitions makes things confusing. Um, I know with the victory points, people are like, why are there negative ones and negative twos? And I'm like, that's the dominance in coalitions because it's the best way I could visualize them. Um, <laughs> yeah, on like a number. On a number scale, because thing. once yeah. you have that, you don't have a number anymore. There's <laughs> nothing really to show with that. Yeah. Later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. I just want to pitch this idea right now. Um, okay. All right, so when we get advanced set up, the board states are going to start looking crazy at the beginning of games, right? Like, mm -hmm. each one's going to be pretty unique. So it's a snapshot of just the first bit of the first turn of the game where you see how everyone's set up. And then you just think, like, okay, what's the outcome of this game based on the setup? 
and then you do a snapshot of the very end state and mm. just kind of see if there's any like way to track those outcomes or like if you can make any educated guesses based just like on a forensic trauma. files of the woodland right yeah. you see the before that's definitely and something. after <laughs> mm-hmm. that's definitely something i i kind of am curious about because um before and set up like the corner like it could matter but like it's not as um i don't know i didn't think it was as, as interesting i know there's one corner that like on the autumn map that all cats players generally tend to go to um but for the most part that wasn't as much of a choice so that being such a big choice now may definitely be something interesting to track about it yeah i, I will say though I've played a lot of Root, and I consider myself a pretty good read of the board. And when I look at the start thing, I, and I've played against Lily uh, on the game played one, I thought, oh, I've got, I screwed Lily at setup because of the way the clearings were distributed <laughs> and um, the, the the corner you were starting in. I was like, okay, Lily can't come back from this. and But that was not <laughs> the case, it turned out. And my position weakened significantly. I So I guess what I'm saying, Kyle, is setup doesn't matter. It's how you play the game. It's wild out there. It's root, baby. <laughs> it takes a lot of audacity to say at setup, she can't come back from this. I, yeah. Lizards are hard. Yeah. You know, and I know them pretty well, but Lily was able to, you had to defend multiple clearings to get your garden suits in the right spot, but you did do it. And I was tackled by Garrick. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you guys can watch that game. We don't have to relitigate it. Um, is, are there any other things in like future tournaments, uh, like rules or aspects of the tournament you would like to see different than uh, tournaments that have been done in the past? Um, I really think that coalitions are going to be something that are going to be revisited mm-hmm. to everyone's satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Um, there will never be a consensus among the community, I'm sure. But uh, I definitely think that's something that has to be looked at because uh, when you get into a... Well, uh, we had a game where it was 2v2. We had a game where it was 3v1. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, not exactly the best situations for some of those players. Um, And sometimes it just felt forced. Uh, But having it being a two Mm -hmm. versus one versus one gets very odd because you know you've got basically two people in a semi-coalition but someone's still trying to win um and there just becomes a lot more fancy footwork you have to do um and it doesn't necessarily feel as good because i well i like alliances between players i don't in root they're always very temporary and so to feel like you're kind of stuck in an alliance because of a coalition on the other side of the table um it can be a little bit hard, especially because some some vagabonds can do great help to certain factions. Yeah, it, for me, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it just in in a I, I like the game state that it can provide, especially like in a casual game. But when it comes to like competitive play, it does feel like oh right, yeah, the the faction that doesn't need the help now can hitch their win to me. Mm-hmm. As Jake said in our coalition dominance episode, get off me you know (laughs) well also they can drag down someone who wants to win on their own and then their win isn't the same i i know um i know that 
I'm not sure which tournament it was, but at some point we had the rule that coalitions have to be consensual mm-hmm. by, by both sides uh, because yeah. otherwise, like, again, you don't want to have the, I'm just going to hitch my ride, my hitch, hitch onto you and hope, the, hope for the best. I think, I think that's a good minimum to have because, like, I, I, Vagabond, I don't think, was designed with tournaments in mind anyway. No. Like, they're called the Vagabond. They're meant to be criminals of the woodland. <laughs> like, we get it. They're breaking the law. Yeah, uh, I definitely think, um, and that's why I'm so excited for advanced setup. Is I think the idea of a tournament play is more on leaders, the forefront of leader, leaders' mm-hmm. development. So they're mm-hmm. kind of taking that into consideration. Um, and Lord of the Hundreds is going to be super exciting. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, for just so is your answer to out. is your preferred answer to make it consensual or to remove it? Ooh, um, or or something else. I think I'm kind of. I think I would prefer to just remove it because having the way, mm-hmm. depending on how the tournament works, like with Space Cats, when we had coalitions, it went off to a one v one spinoff game because there could only be one winner. <laughs> so um, there's definitely kind of like that balance. But if I think knowing going into a game knowing I can't do a coalition um, with that idea in mind of going into setup and picking your faction, I think that's yeah. just a better way to go about it in my opinion. Great. I'm with you there. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Are there any uh, favorite moments you've had from tournaments or, or keeping records on tournaments, Lily, that you've enjoyed? Um, I mean, my favorite moment in the tournament was probably the semifinals of the Space Cats Peace Turtles game. That game was just, that was probably, it was just so fun. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't feel like a tournament game also. It just felt like a really good game between friends that were trying to kill each other. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That was that was such a good one, and we've suggested that as uh, almost required viewing for our listeners many times, so they are mm-hmm. well aware of this game. Yeah, they teach it at Route 102 at Pasadena Community <laughs> College. I was just gonna say it is like the root game of the century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about some of the specific things about Root. Um, we know your favorite faction is the lizards, Lily, but do you have a favorite map on Root? Um, I think over the time the winter map has definitely grown on me mm-hmm. um it's just i think that there's a lot of variety in setup and in the way the game can go um and it's just as much as i like lake map and mountain map i do kind of enjoy the um limit of just this is the map and there's no extra things about it there's nothing fun here there's no raft or tunnels you just got to deal with it yeah it is the most gimmick free map yeah yeah for sure well i guess it's gimmick was it was the random map yes you know when it came you know in the base game but um now that's the standard of maps of course the clearings would be randomized right one day we'll get a randomized autumn map hopefully oh yeah that'll be <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Do you think who do you think that's going to help the most? The Wooden right. Alliance. Yeah. The Wooden Alliance 100%. Cuz right now I think the Wooden Alliance best map is the Autumn map. I think mm-hmm. the Wooden Alliance plays really hard on the other maps because of just the way that they're set up um and the paths on the on the um on the Autumn map just suit uh the Wooden Alliance a lot more, but having the random faction randomized clearings will help them have a less uh determined position. Do you bother randomizing the clearings with the little resin bases or whatever that they have to do that with? Or even just the cardboard ones from the original? Um, yeah, no. We, we When we play with the physical copy, we definitely like to, to do that. But um, I will say the neoprene mats that we recently acquired were 
a good decision because they just make things a lot easier for the meeples on the map and don't cause a lot of sliding. Right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough, though, with the autumn map because those trees are colored. So you yes. have to ignore the tree colors. You do have to ignore the tree colors, and that's always a fun one to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lily, do you have a favorite root card? Whether it's for its effect or maybe the art on it? Uh, I don't know if I have one for the effect, but for the art, Coffin Makers is the best card. Um, I mean, the effect on Coffin Makers is great too, but uh, yeah. that that happy lizard is just my <laughs> scaring lizard. I don't know what that lizard is feeling, but that lizard is the best lizard. Yeah, they don't have eyebrows. Really hard to tell how they're feeling. <laughs> what is your favorite part about Root, Lily? Is it the art, the asymmetry, the mechanics, something else? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the asymmetry um, and that kind of ties into the mechanics of being able to kind of choose what you want to play based on what you're feeling. Like if you, you kind of want something a bit more, you know, programmy or crunchy, you can go with the eerie. But if you're just kind of feeling like being a terrorist, you know, the Woodland Alliance is right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. We got a couple questions from our listeners here. Um, Crewmeister says, why are you so cool? Also, when are more <laughs> video reviews coming? Uh, video reviews coming soon. I've been working on a lot of stuff in the background, but I uh, kind of discovered that uh, these are more intimidating for me than I originally thought. Um, so I am doing my best and I had to kind of, there was one video I was trying to record and I realized it was a little too much too soon for me. So I have to, so I kind of had to switch gears and hopefully we'll be getting back on track with my schedule soon. Well, That's I great. mean, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of hype for you coming on the show. Do you sense that, that people in the community think you're cool and know your catchphrases? Like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was not aware that was one of my catchphrases until very recently. Um, yeah, I don't know why people think I'm cool. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't really, I guess I didn't realize how like prominent I was in the community or like how that people actually knew who I existed. Um, I, I kind of expected it a little bit more after winning the tournament, but like, mm not to the extent that I think had happened, so. Well, we think you're cool, yeah. and we're excited to have you yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can safely, you know, take your place in the pantheon of Root Legends. <laughs> yeah. You know, not only are you um, Tournament Victor, uh, current Lizard Queen of the Woodland. Mm -hmm. uh, lizard G. <laughs> but you also, like, provide such an invaluable tool and service to the entire root community um by keeping the tournament data so diligently like i yeah build the statue that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> build the statue uh that's yeah Craft i agree statue. in a game that is as complex as it is we're gonna need as much statistical data as possible to try and figure things out because i like in our discord and all all communities that i've been in like started to uh, get introduced to since learning root I feel like so much is anecdotal and so many things are so absolute based on people's experiences and like the only way we can refute that is with the numbers and I'm so happy that you do it so thank you yeah I, I enjoy doing it so 
Another question from a listener here. Uh, this is in regards to the oath review you did. Was Garrick heavy enough to require more than one stamp? And did the post office make you punch holes in the box first? That's from Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> no, uh, obviously he's he's heavier to cry with more than one stamp. But uh, we didn't we didn't think holes were necessary for the box. <laughs> Wait, was his? All right, so this is just like a bit in Lily's review where it does show Garrick in a box. I can't remember. Is his mouth taped over? Yes, it is. His mouth yeah, is taped over, and hole. he is he is he is uh, tied with the rope. <laughs> uh, that's a good microcosm of what it feels like to play Oath. Uh, given that we all had our first game of Oath this last week. Um, Jake, what are your reactions? Do you feel like you're hogtied in a box? <laughs> By playing the game? I don't know. <laughs> don't call me out on this. I thought you were going to ask about my experience or like what my opinion was on the game, and you followed up with, do you feel like you're hogtied in a box? So uh, I guess my answer is no. Um, I really enjoyed the game. It felt free. Uh, I loved it. I'm so excited. Like I, this, is, this is the Root Podcast, but I'm happy to endorse people trying Oath. And it is definitely a different beast, and it's a lot bigger in a lot of ways. But it, it scratches that same itch of like really creative asymmetry. And I, yeah, I had a blast. I'm excited to take down Kyle after being eaten by his wolves roughly four out of five rounds that we played. It's great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I went full beast in our last game of Oath. I just like really committed to the beast suit. It was awesome. <laughs> Turns out he was my long lost heir this whole time. <laughs> anyway. Raised by wolves, obviously. <laughs> my closest advisors were wolves. <laughs> so let's talk about Makecraft game for a moment here, Lily. We're we're uh, you've got a great website. It's three parts. One of which is gaming. The other two parts are like cooking and and making crafts. Um, why did you decide to like kind of combine them all, and uh, why did you just start decide to start it? Uh, so I'll start with the second question first. So just I always kind of enjoyed doing things and sharing it. So I've actually uh, had several websites over the course of my life, and this is just the final iteration that I actually am okay with, because <laughs> um, all the other ones have been scrubbed from the internet. Um, <laughs> But so this so having kind of like a website was always something that I enjoyed doing. Um, but in terms of why I decided to do the three things instead of one, uh, I felt like it would probably be better for branding if it's just a focus thing. But that's not me. I really just enjoy doing all three of them. So I figured might as well just do all three of them. <laughs> yeah. Lily, how do you decide on what things you want to make content for, whether it's a, a dish or a, a, a crochet. I don't know if you crochet. <laughs> I do crochet. Um, how do you decide on what things to make content about? Um, I think a lot of it is just kind of something new that I've made or something that I learned from it, making that kind of thing. I have um, in the make and craft section of the site, all of the posts generally have Recent, more recently, the posts have had lessons that I've learned from things of just like stuff I wish that other people had posted that I knew about, like why we do things certain ways or like, you know, safety things that, you know, you probably should be aware <laughs> of. Like when you're making bread at 450 degrees with a cast iron of it, uh, pot, like making sure your arm doesn't touch that pot is a really great idea. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so just like kind of stuff that like I want to know stuff behind like 
some of the stuff of like even just like the science behind it especially when it comes to cooking like some of the chemistry that comes into play as well is just something that it's cool to know why things are happening oh wow so you you (laughs) get into the engines of everything you do (laughs) yeah yeah no i think i recently did something about epoxy and i started talking about stress strain curves because i'm a weirdo (laughs) Um, that's a great segue to my next question (laughs) what do you think you're the most nerdy about making crafting or gaming I think I'm probably the most about gaming, um, but crafting would probably be the the biggest second. I think most Mm of everything in my office has crafting materials. Like you can't find an area that isn't covered in paint or fabric at any point in time. Um, But it just kind of depends on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lily, any, any dream projects outside of the game realm in either make or craft? Uh, yeah, so for for making uh, one thing that's completely, completely audacious that I want to do is I want to go through and do all of the challenges of Bake Off because I think that would be absolutely insane. <laughs> um, oh my god, that is immense. How many that's are really those? Cool. Um, well, there's only, what, nine seasons? Something ridiculous like that. Uh, but I think they generally do about 42 challenges per season. So, uh, yeah, it well, can you got to start pretty, now. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'll probably never actually get there, but, um, I might just pick, I'll start with one season and see how it goes. Yeah. And I'll probably start with some of the earlier seasons of Bake Off because as the season series goes on, the challenges get way more ridiculous. Uh, like Crazier. I don't think I want to yeah. make a biscuit chandelier anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. You better start ordering fondant now, like, right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, got, you gotta make it. No, you gotta make it from scratch. You just gotta, you gotta start got to start base level of making everything, obviously. That's uh, awesome. But in terms of craft, I've been thinking about this a lot of what my dream project is, and uh, it actually ties a little bit into the gaming section. Uh, there is a three-player board of trains on the internet that it only exists on the internet because it's like a fan thing. I want to burn it into a piece of wood to actually like, make a board because I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> wow, yeah. Whoa! Yeah, I've, I've seen some projects on on the root uh, on the Woodland Warriors Discord of like people making like a real like three D root autumn map, and uh, I have always been fascinated when people like craft their board games like make it a, like a deluxe version themselves. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely that- fun a fun time to kind of make the pieces and have that. I know there's a couple like. There's a couple games we have where like the first player token could be a real token, and I'm like, I will make this because I want it to be a physical thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so sure. cool. Well, Lily, that's gonna wrap it up for the most part. Is there any like advice you have to people that are trying to get into the competitive part of Root, or is there any advice from their Lizard Queen that you can bestow upon them? Um, just jump in. Like mm-hmm. you, you kind of. Don't be afraid to fail because it probably will happen. Um, but if you don't take that chance, you can't also have that success. Um, and then uh, stay calm. Calm, being like calm and like not letting your emotions take control is a really big thing. If you need to like walk away and take a breath just to like in the middle of the game, that's that's okay. You don't need to sit there and be stressed the whole time because it's supposed to be fun at the end of the day. That's so great. Yeah, relax and have fun. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. This is great. Remember, yeah. it's a game. 
Yeah, if Root ever like evolves beyond a game of just conquest and we start holding elections or whatever, I'd vote for you, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> Lily for Root president. Yes. <laughs> well, let's hit, end this episode how we should end this episode, by chanting for our president, right? I think that happened in the gameplay. I don't know if this will make the edit. I, this happened in the gameplay of like, um, I was like, oh, here, Lily, I'll, I'll give you, so, or I'll, I'll kill one of your men or something because I was trying to call back that. And Garrick's like, well, that's presumptuous. I'm like, she calls them men. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I kill a man. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Does Garrick ever call you out on your blatant sexism, Lily? Uh, no. <laughs> Okay, no. that's good. That's good. <laughs>